0: And welcome to Popaholics, the show where dad and daughter dish on pop culture over a drink. I'm Steve Hall. I'm Kate Hall. And uh, I'm going to be talking about some interesting pop culture stuff today. Uh, Kate, what are you drinking?
1: I'm drinking coffee.
0: Black (laughs) coffee as well. So let's get right into it. So um, maybe,
1: maybe, well, sorry, I was going to say maybe since we're, this seems to be our recording time, maybe we need to like branch out and, you know, do like. Some fancy, fancier coffee. Mine's just regular, just like you said, just at home coffee. Maybe I need to like <laughs> do a Car- little French press or <laughs> something like that.
0: Caramel latte, maricato or something. Yeah.
1: Macchiato. Okay. Yes,
0: that too. <laughs> All right. So what pop culture have you been consuming, Kate?
1: Um. So I finished uh, the novel The Vanishing Half by brit bennett which was a christmas present from my sister
0: mm-hmm.
1: um and i really loved the synopsis of the novel from brit bennett's website so i'm gonna quote that um so this story is quote uh is at once a riveting emotional family story and a brilliant exploration of the american history of passing uh looking well beyond issues of race the vanishing half considers the lasting influence of the past as it shapes a person's decisions, desires, and expectations, and explores some of the m- multiple reasons and realms in which a, in which people sometimes feel pulled to live as something other than their origins, hmm. and passing being the passing as in a black person passing for a white person. So, okay. um, the story follows two twin sisters, Stella and Desiree, um, who are light skinned and um, Stella decides to pass, um, and then the story goes from there. And she doesn't tell anyone that's that's what she's doing. So um, it goes from there. And it was a really, really interesting, emotional um, read, not just because of the twin story, but uh, all of you know, their family and other characters that come into the story. So it was really good. I just finished it a couple of days ago. So Mm -hmm. I recommend that.
0: And do you think, um, what did you learn from it as a white person?
1: Um, Just, you know, uh, I would say that we've always, well, I can't say we, as in like all white people, um, based on the, um, how do I word this correctly? Because I wouldn't say that you all as parents explicitly spoke to me and my sister about race. I think it just was always the understanding in our house that you're not better than anybody else. But as a white person, I have built in privilege because of the way this country was founded. And so it's um, in reading this book, it's was a nice look at how whiteness can be used as, um, as a way to not get ahead, but to build the life that you want, that you deserve, which I, you know, again, I know that, but seeing it from a different perspective, um, in a different type of story, that's not, um, I don't want to say trauma porn, but, you know, I don't need to, I know that slavery was horrible. I don't want to like continuously read a story about how awful slaves were treated because I know I want to read about all of the other different aspects of what it means to be a black person, especially in America, um and how that affects your daily life, basically. (laughs) Did that answer the question? It did. Um okay, good. And And so so that
0: is the vanishing? The vanishing half. The Vanishing
1: Half by Brit Bennett, and she also has um, another novel called The Mothers, which is now on, uh, it's now on my to-read list, because the writing is excellent.
0: Well, good. Well, uh, I'm going to take us in a different direction. Uh, my wife and I were reading a New York Times-style magazine profile of the Japanese animator and writer-director, uh, Hayao Miyazaki. And that particular, uh, that was in the December 5th Times, and it's the article was cu- entitled, Animation's Greatest Magician, Hayao Miyazaki, comes out of retirement to cast one last spell. And he doesn't say in this uh, profile what his final film is going to be that he's working on anyway my wife and i got to talking and we realized we had both seen his movie Mm -hmm. spirited away which won an oscar but none of his other movies that we could recall so we had a mini uh miyasaki film festival in our living room this past weekend i checked out three titles from the library my neighbor and i'm gonna mangle this because i can't say it my My neighbor neighbor? to toro right Kiki's Delivery Service, and Howl's Moving Castle. So I'm going to briefly talk about these these three movies. In My Neighbor Totoro, 1988, two spunky young girls have moved to a rural area with their dad while their mom is in the hospital. Miyazaki takes his sweet time as the girls explore their new home and the surrounding forest. They are befriended by a forest spirit who looks like a giant fat bunny rabbit with short ears. Uh, Totoro Mm -hmm. roars and has very big teeth. But really, he's a huge old softy. The visual flights of fancy in this movie are wild. Um, the girls are also befriended by a giant cat bus. So it's a cat, but it's shaped like a bus. And you can ride inside the cat. But then the cat can also talk and stuff. It's yeah. just pretty crazy. And then one of the re- you see one of the reoccurring themes of Miyazaki's work here, which is a reverence for nature and the scenes of like, Uh, the forest with the wind moving through the trees or rain. It's just gorgeous. Kiki's Delivery Service, 1989, this is probably my favorite of the three movies, features two other Miyazaki themes. First of all, Kiki is a typical heroine of his. Uh, That means she's independent, she's determined to make things happen, and she's right on the cusp between girlhood and womanhood. So she's a young witch who goes out on her own for a year's worth of training and has misadventures operating a delivery service on her broomstick. Now, everyone in this vaguely French town where she ends up um, is obsessed with newfangled technology, especially this dirigible that's anchored outside of town. And this brings us to one of other Miyazaki's uh, frequent themes, which is uh, sort of a a mistrust of technology. And so naturally in this movie, things go wrong with the dirigible at a time when Kiki's struggling with losing her powers. So, um, it's just, it's just, I thought this was just really wonderful. And, um, the English voice talent for these movies, uh, is outstanding. For example, Kirsten Dunst is the voice of Kiki. Phil Hartman, mm-hmm. uh, is the voice of her black cat and other characters were played by Debbie Reynolds and Janine Garf- Garfalo. Like Garofalo. Almost, almost got it. <laughs> And then in Howl's Moving Castle, Christian Bale, this is a perfect choice, casting choice, Christian Bale plays the tortured title character, a wizard fighting his personal demons. Billy Crystal is a wisecracking fire demon. And Lauren Bacall is the wicked witch of the waste. Not the West, the waste. waste. Uh, Hmm. And then at different points, uh, Howl's would-be love interest is played by Emily Mortimer, and Gene Simmons, who was in Spartacus, Guys and Dolls, a ton of other movies. Howl's Moving Castle, which is from 2004, feels steampunkish. Wait till you see the rickety castle moving along on its thin legs, belching smoke, looking like one of the walkers from The Empire Strikes Back, fused with a boiler and old car parts. This movie also it ha- it features conflict between two warring nations, and there are these vivid scenes of Bombings that are just incredibly destructive. And so, naturally, this re- reflects the sensibilities of someone who was four uh, during World War II when US planes attacked the city where his family was living and they had to flee, um, uh-huh. even as the incendiaries were still falling. I will say, though, for all its anti war message and surreal visuals, How's Moving Castle felt to me like the weakest of these movies um, with some weird characters. For weirdness sake, um, and a very convoluted, meandering plot. So, as you can tell by my description there, when you see, have one of these film fests, you can see the themes that are present in a director's work, you see their strengths, and also enjoy some great movies. And so, I would recommend trying this. Um, we're thinking about either uh, Kurosawa, okay, mm-hmm. um, or uh, maybe Stanley Kubrick, you know, 2001, that guy. So, okay. uh, we'll see.
1: Yeah, <laughs> cool. Well, I don't really have anything else to talk about. I'm I'm currently reading Ariadne by. Did I write her name down? I think it's Jennifer Saint. So it's a retelling of um, the myth of the Minotaur. Like King Minos has the Minotaur. You know, the his kingdom demands a sacrifice from uh, I believe Athens of I think it's fourteen like seven boys and seven girls to keep this Minotaur like quote unquote at peace. So that the two uh, kingdoms don't war. And so instead of focusing on the Minotaur, it focuses on King Minos's daughters, Ariadne, um, who in the original myth is kind of partially responsible for the death of the Minotaur. Like she helps the hero kill the Minotaur. Um, and Phaedra, who is the sister of Ariadne. Ad- so, this follows them after the Minotaur has been killed and uh, it explores themes. I wrote down, explores themes of deceit, women finding their power, their voices, and uh, those awful, conniving quote unquote heroes and how they affect <laughs> everybody else's <laughs> lives. Because Theseus is the um, the hero in the original myth, and I like how this retelling is like: mm, is he really a good guy, or is he, you know, is he only doing things to make himself into this like larger than life presence? And so yeah.
0: Hmm. And so I've noticed you've been on a. We've heard several. Mythology. Yeah, I've been on a like, uh, works of art here pop culture what's going on there
1: um well I think that's it's a trend because it's a trend that's happening in writing now because last year I think at about the same time I um read Circe by Madeline Miller which was about the sea witch You could call her, and she she makes appearances in like the Odyssey and a couple of other epic myth stories. Mm -hmm. And then Madeline Miller also wrote Song of Achilles, which I didn't get to read Mm -hmm. until late 2021. So I think it's just a based on the types of like historical fiction, retelling stories from a different perspective type of like genre that I'm into right. then that it just like pops up and I was nervous to start Ariadne because it on my library app it's like oh fans of this you lo- love this but that but also I found sometimes that's great and it works and it's true and sometimes you're like mm, this isn't really like you know yes I like this story but just because of this like algorithm or you know recommendation that doesn't necessarily mean that i'm gonna like the next story but in this in uh this case it has worked that way thankfully Mm -hmm. so (laughs) because we know i hate to stop reading a book because i'm just mad i see Mm -hmm. it through to the bitter end yeah
0: well i'm uh i just started the 69 nails by mike shevdon s-h-e-v-d-o-n i i got this at goodwill and uh, it's a, he has a series that is courts of the F-E-Y-R-E, fairy, I think, because it, it does, it does. Uh, E-Y-R-E?
1: F-E-Y-R-E.
0: Uh, yeah, fay fairy. Right. I
1: think basically,
0: yeah. And uh, so this is an urban fantasy. And the deal is that there's sort of a secret war going on beneath the streets of London, this dark magic has been released and Mm -hmm. the main character thinks he's having a heart attack on the subway. And then this older woman uh, revives him, but then she's asking him all these weird questions. And then (laughs) obviously it's evident that she's much more than she seems. So it's good so far. I have, um, I have a high bar for urban fantasy. Um, I read a bunch of the Uh, DeLint novels uh, I think his first name is Charles DeLint and those are all really good set in uh, like Toronto and stuff but so far this one's this one's pretty good the 69 nails cool and I finished I just uh, one reason I'm reading (laughs) is because I finished the post mortal which I talked about on our last episode and uh, I will just repeat what I said living forever probably not the best idea
1: yeah Um, yeah, I don't, I don't really have anything else to talk about. I'm about, I think, three quarters of the way through with Ariadne and then we'll see what, what else is available at the library. Mm Um, so.
0: Well, I will say I've been, musically, I've been (laughs) listening to The Nude Party, which you, uh, sent me uh, a link to their music and, um, I'm pretty sure that our friend Bruce, tried to give us tickets to a nude party show before we knew who they were. And also we already had plans. So it didn't work out, but they're a bunch of young guys originally from North Carolina. They got together at Appalachian state state university, their freshman year, their uh, sophomore year, they moved off campus and got a house where they could all, uh, yeah. you know, be work on their instruments, be a band. <laughs> and, uh, they've just been, uh, touring like crazy and uh i think they've got an ep and two full releases at this point i was reading the wikipedia i should mention their sound is well why don't you say who you think it sounds like and then i'll say I think. So, it sounds like.
1: well i sent you the link because it popped up on my algorithm i think based on a kurt vile and john prine song that i was listening to i think and so it popped up and i listened to it and i sent it to you and I said, "This sounds like a combination of Lou Reed, Bob Dylan, and I think I went and who else? Because it was like not just one person. It was like parts of this of that one song, um, Chevrolet Band. It covers like so much ground."
0: <laughs> <laughs> and I, 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 I hear uh, in their sound at different points. I hear. Um, uh, the kinks i hear early rolling stones yeah i hear uh uh even bowie uh they have a song called astral man i think it's what it's called and it's very it's very yeah. almost prog rock you know um but then they also have the stuff that sounds like you know ccr so i noticed on their wikipedia uh entry, that it talked about how they have relocated from North Carolina to upstate New York, which I found that interesting. Cause if you know your, your pop rock history, uh, mm-hmm. Dylan and the band got together in Woodstock, New York, came up with some great music. The band's music from big pink was from up there. So it, it feels like these guys know their, their pop rock history. Yeah. So
1: they're like, There No, I shouldn't say that. That's kind of mean. Um, (laughs) I was thinking like, they were like, well, this obviously this type of sound is successful and fun and people like it and it's fun to play. And so maybe we should like, you know, if it ain't broke, don't fix it, (laughs) which is fine. You don't have to be original. So, yeah, that's what I was thinking.
0: (laughs) Well, I was thinking that these sounds tend to be cyclical. And pop yeah, up periodically, true. you know, every every decade or so. So that's yeah. what I was thinking. But anyway, uh, if you're interested in checking them, anybody out there is interested in checking them out, The Nude Party, um, they're on our uh, playlist for the episode that has We Are Lady parts, uh, the very guitar-oriented episode, which is 62? Hey. Uh, yeah,
1: I think so. 62 62 resident 63. kid expert just just, just me. popped in yeah yeah his last his school meeting um just ended so he's he's taking a break for a second yeah
0: yeah all right for for a little while just for a little bit just for yeah. a little bit yeah, yeah. okay at 1 30 p.m my, that's that's when my next um meeting is mm-hmm. okay well good for you um <laughs> <laughs>
1: you needed to know the schedule in case
0: people needed to know the schedule yeah <laughs> well i i do want to mention that uh since i talked about the, the playlist um i haven't done i didn't do one for the last episode and probably not for this one just because of time constraints but there's a lot of great music out there on spotify uh mm-hmm. they are popaholics hashtag then the episode number and then playlist so uh, people can find all kinds of very varied Music Stuff. out there. Yeah. On there. Yeah.
1: And if they follow our Instagram, we do have a link tree that links the usually I try to not have the link tree be exhausted. So it's like the last four or five episodes and playlists. So if you're, you know, if you don't want to use the search bar in Spotify for some reason, you can always head over to our Instagram and click the link tree. <laughs>
0: and this sounds like a good segue point. Kate, where yeah. can people find us?
1: People can find us on Facebook and Instagram, Papaholics Podcast, on Twitter, at Papaholics. And then, as usual, like always, because we love to get recommendations, not just from each other, but from people out in the world, then please shoot us an email to Papaholics Podcast at gmail.com.
0: And if you want to, you know, pay for like our HBO max subscription so we can like experience stuff like <laughs> succession. Maybe that's on Showtime. I'm not even sure. Uh, yeah. uh, please feel free.
1: I'm not sure either. Honestly, yeah,
0: please feel free to. Cause we, you know, people that uh, listen to this podcast will be asking me about th- these things and I'm like, um, yeah, I haven't seen them cause I don't have a subscription to that particular pay channel. Yeah. So.
1: Yeah. You can like, you know, do a PayPal or a Venmo. I'm not going to put my personal <laughs> private memo on there. But if you're, if you want to donate so that we can pay for these streaming services, send send us an email.
0: <laughs> that's right. All right. Uh, well, I think that's uh, it for this show. Uh, for Popaholics, I'm Steve Hall. I'm Kate Hall. Go out and enjoy pop culture.